my name is Samhal Ghosh Barhi. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Cabana Ladder here in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa. This, this, is, this is Diversified, Diversified. Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, all the way from Ethiopia, and we're using WhatsApp this time, people, so forgive us if you hear that annoying ding, 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 God willing, all will go well, but I have Samal Gush of Cabana Leather, and again, this is a great entrepreneur we're going to highlight here that I found on HowWeMadeItInAfrica.com, so I thank him for featuring her. And I've told him that, you know, over our interviews that I'm so happy because I love to get these stories all the way from Africa, young people and a young woman doing big things. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I have to. It's an addiction, especially when I see such a, you know, young person and I'm young too. So I put myself in that category and, you know, happy person. It it seems at least from the pictures, the pictures tell a lot of things about people, right? (laughs) Um, Smiling, but I I need you to just let the people know, you know, why is your company? um, Why did you create it? And what makes it different? Well, Cabana was created uh, three years ago here in Addis to, uh, for two main reasons. One is to make quality product, and second is it was with a mission to train women and empower them through the value chain. Um, of the why um, and also the how are, I'm an architect by profession, so I just love designing anything, you name it, I love designing, starting from buildings to furniture to to bags, but I think the hobby turned into uh, the passion. The hobby turned into a business back when I was in university dorm, and now it's a business. <laughs> okay, so you started while in university. Um, a lot of you know our our age range are starting and not waiting to graduate. They're just starting business. What were some of the barriers when starting? Because it's not like leather is cheap, no matter where you get it. Um, a, I think you, you just say that leather was not really um, a cheap thing to buy from with a bulk and start manufacturing. But I started by upcycling small West leathers that are out of the factories and just um, started making them um, small bracelets and, and like, uh, necklaces and jewelry and like you know like small small materials out of it so first thing is we i was not at the age to know business so so great so there were a lot of challenges like a le- it was a learning curve and next was material uh, space working space all of this were not available so i think we um i had to make do with what was available around me so those are the small small barriers uh, if we call them barriers that has happened through the journey at the, at, the, at the initial stage. And when you started, did you reach out to, you know, friends or family or look at angel investors or VC to say, you know what, I've made some things. I think I can go far 
with this, I just need more money. And if you reached out, did anybody say, yes, I'll help you? Uh, not at first. It was just, um, it's just something that I was selling. I think that they support, family and friends supported by buying the products. Um, so uh, I make it with my friends during the nighttime in the university because we have to go to lectures during the day. Um, so family and friends supported by buying the products that, that, that I was making. And later on, um, here in Ethiopia, we don't have such an investor ecosystem like where you can pitch your, like, pitch your idea to investors and get them. Um, so it was more of organically growing by like when you do one job, you profit from it, and then you do another job, and then you invest it right back. So it kind of grew like that, uh, starting with the, with the first 300, which is around $10 back then. Um, just reinvesting it back again and again. So um, I couldn't actually legally structure it back then. So I had to establish it three years ago uh, legally to an export company uh, after a lot of learning and failure throughout the last uh, few years. Now you talk about what Ethiopia doesn't have, but what it does have are great minds, people who have a lot of ideas. And we know that vultures, I mean, venture capitalists, are coming to Africa and looking for, you know, the next great thing that they can um, sell around the world. Do you think that the Ethiopian mindset is ready to take angel investors or venture capitalists? Because a lot of times you have to do business the way they do business. And, you know, that doesn't always um, attract certain entrepreneurs. They don't want to you know, put in a ledger and say, hey, this is exactly what I'm doing and exactly what I'm making and I could pay you back with interest in this amount of time. Do you think it's something that, you know, can come to Ethiopia and be attractive? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about back um, 10 years ago, but now that ecosystem has totally changed and and um, and is now um, there. um Ethiopian entrepreneurs, so much creative industry here. So many young entrepreneurs were ready to to accept and work with venture capitalists and angel investors at the same time. So now that ecosystem is actually booming. So uh, the short answer would be yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, with the details, of course, um, for entrepreneurs to learn to negotiate more with this kind of um, um, ecosystem and investors. Now, we talk about angels, we talk about the VC. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to create um, a, a platform to where those in the diaspora can invest into Africa. And I already have it. It's called mallforafrica.africa or mallofafrica.africa. People have checked that out. It gets a good amount of attention. Could you see that, you know, it's not your typical angel investment, but if you, let's say you needed $30,000, right? And you allow 10 people to kind of crowdfund it in a way, and then say, this is going to be your reward. Is that something? Because now we're taking uh, the Muzungu out of it. I don't know how, how well your Swahili is, but I, I believe you'll understand. And we're, we're putting our own people to say, you love Africa. Maybe you're African. Maybe you feel a tie to Africa. We're allowing you to get in. Um, do you see that where we can do business peer to peer and we can say, you know what? I'm going to not just invest, but 
I want to, you know, I want to know you. Is that something that, you know, the young Ethiopians would be attracted to? I think, yes, especially at the start of uh, uh, time, the first year is a bit hard. So that time, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs would be very happy to receive the diaspora, especially with the experience and knowledge of an exposure, uh, plus to the investment in crowdfunding, is something that would be attractive for entrepreneurs on this side. Now, being a woman in Africa, period, doing business. Oh, my goodness. I can tell you the stories that I hear people say. Women, she's having a great business, but I can't deal with such a woman because she'll be telling me what to do because she doesn't need me. What are your thoughts on this revolution of women not just doing business, but being successful? And, you know, let, let us know, do you think that men are now you know in ethiopia getting used to the fact that hey we can be bosses and we want you more than just you know stability and money um because a lot of men feel intimidated uh, that is true that is true <laughs> we have it not only there but we have we have those ones here but we also have supportive men at the same time i mean success doesn't come at a at a at an easy um pace here and and I think men in the business industry would understand it, but maybe those who are not in the business sector would not understand it as much, you know. Let alone a business, uh, imagine running a full-blown factory like Cabana. So um, that by itself gives you uh, a kind of um, intimidations maybe, but um, at the same time, it also uh, that also gains your respect amongst your peers so i think the man by himself has to be confident enough uh not to be intimidated she's basically saying no punks allowed you can't be a you know a a, a sissy type of a man who's going to be intimidated by someone else doing their dream now and i have to get in your business and and just know when you talk like that um are you single are you married Uh, do you have children well, I say my children are now the, the children of my employees. <laughs> uh, so it's a yes and no answer. <laughs> we have a little daycare in our factory uh, where employees kind of um, can bring their kids and they stay there. So um, I, w- I do have children through them, <laughs> but not yet of my, my own own. Uh, but uh, maybe in the next few years, God willing, Okay. And, and we know that, you know, you have plenty of time, so there's no rush. Uh, just want to always highlight if you do have children or if somebody says, Hey, I did this and I've had X amount of children and sometimes they've done it alone. We want to give those props because business is not easy. Just doing it being single, but then when you add other people to it and then little people, we just want, you know, we want to get to know you and in getting to know you, I know that, you know, you've been to the magic show here in America. Uh, most of my audience will be familiar yes. with the magic show. I've talked about it so, so often. Is your product going to be in America, even if it's through Amazon? Uh, we have a retailer, not through Amazon, but uh, in Seattle, we have a retailer, retail, retailer company called Sabakin can find them on Instagram and websites. We, we're not there directly, but we're there through our distributors and retailers. And we work with a big company called Fashionable, 
who's a brand called Able. Um, those ones are located in, in, in Nashville. Um, um, so um, hopefully next year we can directly be there. But for now, we have a trusted partners there, Retailing Cabana Products. Oh, you and I are going to talk after this interview about things I, I cannot <laughs> share right now. But okay, I, I, I love to, to hear that. And so when, when you get into the retail, there's so many you know, ways. You can be in stores, but that costs you money because you have to pay for the shelf um, space. You can go online, you know, consumer to consumer, um, trade shows, wholesale. What's the, the, the first method that you see, at least for the U.S. and European markets, that you say this is how it's going to work? Online. I think e-commerce is, um, is a big accessibility, especially during this pandemic um, that I see that works and that will continue working. Okay, so the online, which will allow you to keep most of the profit, and and that's 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 beautiful. Does does re, have you looked at the retail numbers and what they're going to charge you to sell your product? And does that attract you at all? It does, especially if there are uh, like department stores and chain of stores that are located throughout the different states. That is something that is attractive because it's a win-win. Uh, for both the retailer at the same time for the uh, brand manufacturer and at the same time it's a it's a huge marketing opportunity when customers it's like b2c directly uh, rather than the b2b that we work the business model of b2b that we're working right now so the numbers are attractive at the same time for the long run that is something also that is attractive okay and so you're open it seems to it all and we're talking about the u.s and the you know european market i know that you also sell in rwanda and south africa what about locally um where can we find it next time we're in addis or we're in Mekele, we're in ethiopia um, just Google Cabana Leather, it will bring you right to our door. So we have a small outlet within our factory um, for now uh, because we are uh, majorly exporters, like 90% of our products are exported. Um, locally, we don't have so many shops, but we have the outlet. Uh, maybe 2020 would be something for us to, uh, uh, to have more conversation on within the team, the management team to see if it's something that, uh, if that COVID-19 kind of, um, I don't know what's coming, you know, it, it has shocked us um, hugely uh, 2020. So maybe next year, this is something that we can think about. Okay. Uh, and come to Cabana, just mm-hmm. find us on Google and it will bring you to our door. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they get hung up and they say, Kellen, I hear you talking to these entrepreneurs they sound successful, but my product, you know, it's not, it's not anything where I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars yet. So for me to go to manufacturing and get a factory, I need to do that. Can you give some insight on at what point, how many sales did you have to have you know, on a regular basis for you to say, I'm going to actually get my own manufacturing plant 
so it can be mine and I can do whatever I want and I can have it be retail. And was that really like ex- as expensive as you thought it was? Um, at first, I didn't have to, to pay so much rent because I was working from my parents' house. I basically destroyed My first rent was actually a garage piece um, uh, close to my parents' house. And um, so for me, I really wanted to manufacture our own products, Cabana's products, because I wanted to control the quality that comes uh, representing the brand. Um, So it was like a no question for me, like however expensive it was, um, I wanted to control the quality and see how it is and also experiment. So being an architect makes you want to experiment with different designs. So that gave me the freedom for it. And the element of training women and giving employment opportunity was was something that I wanted to play uh, around with and also implemented uh, at first at a small scale and, and then at a large scale. So in order to do that, I needed to start the manufacturing. So um, for me, it was no brainer, something that I want to do from the get go. Oh, and have you ever borrowed a, a dime from anyone or taken any type of investment? Uh, no, uh, Kawana is um, owned and uh, yeah, no, not yet. I love it. I love it. We had that story. When you start doing all of your going back after this, you know, post COVID, that story has to be told because so often like entrepreneurs are making it. And I think women have it even worse where people say, well, that's a beautiful woman. That's a that's a, 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 a smart person or she comes from such a rich family and they discredit the hard work that entrepreneurs put in so that it, it needs to be told over and over. So people, you know, especially grown men, something about being like 35, they start getting bitter and <laughs> start saying, you know, I, 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 it should have been me. And, and it should be you, but the steps that you have taken, you know, um, are probably different. Now, when you got into this business, did you have a mentor who helped you out? Yeah. Um, like, I mean, it's something for, for us to rethink that women can be independent and, and running their own business. And it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, it's the only time I think we had a support not for the business, but to survive during COVID, um, the pandemic was uh, partnering up with 12 companies and being supported by MasterCard Foundation to produce PPE products. So that was a project to recover our business during the uh, last year, June, um, um, COVID pandemic time. So, um, yeah, uh, but uh, for the business since the start, um, it actually supported itself. Wow. What a, a, a pandemic can do where you say, okay, um, we're going to just kind of switch and we're going to make these things because MasterCard said they need them and we're, we're doing good. Talking about doing good, what is a community give back? You've hinted at it throughout this interview that you are doing or that you want to do in the future. Um, no, we are doing uh, we've been doing it since the first person that we hired. Um, so Cabana is a, not only a business, but really uh, like um, very um, holding it as a mission to to, to train women. Um, we recruit this woman from different shelters, refugee camps, um, TVT colleagues, and also from the underprivileged community. Um, 
centers and um, we take them in, we give them training, really strong women, uh, beautiful stories to tell and, sa- and some of them are uh, single mothers who are supporting their child by themselves. So we train them for three months, theory classes, and then we give them practically uh, training for another three months and we give them employment opportunity. So most of the, 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 the employees that I have, not most, but actually more than 80% of the employees that we have are uh, trained uh, within the company because above 80% are women as well. And why is that your focus on, you know, making sure women are empowered? Um, it's it been a, ba- a passion of me since the beginning that uh, not a big opportunity is given uh, in terms of uh, women uh, to be financially independent and standing by their own to feet. And and growing up, you hear a lot of stories where, uh, and also within the factory, within the manufacturing sector as well, women are working at the lower value chain, and you don't see them going earning um, like management salary or you know. Most of those things you hear a woman being on the lower value chain rather than on a management level or being very independent and not being supported by a man or being supported by anything else, but by her own money. So I really wanted not only by being a woman, but also being a business owner to contribute as much as I can Um, because I am from this community, so I can give back by this. And and also... uh, like we have like a couple of mothers around 20 mothers in our factory uh when you give them enough support then they can stand by their own to fit and i've seen uh from being supported uh, to their children by cabana to now raising their kids by themselves like paying for their schools paying for their food and everything you know taking 300 taking care of their children 360 um so um, just seeing them change and seeing a positive impact kind of um how fuels us to go forward well besides a book something else i'd love to see from you is how you pay your employees and you can you know black out the name and you can show what you pay them and show like if you have any men how you devised a way to pay everybody equally since that's such a big thing because we hear that men who run companies and I run one and I won't lie I have been you know called out (laughs) by my wife before of hey are women getting paid the same thing as men but the job may be different right and I had to create something to say, nope, if it's the same job, everyone's getting paid the same. But I'd love to see a woman come out and say, hey, men, this is how you do it. It's really not that difficult because I, I almost felt bad until I said it's it's a different job that one is doing than the other and had to really defend my point because I, I'm not here to treat anybody unequal. Everybody, I want to pay even more money. So if you ever, you know, have an idea to do that, please share it with me so I can share it with others in corporate and say, this is how you do it. You know, it's not that difficult. Absolutely. Um, I mean, kudos to your wife for calling you out on that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we've actually been uh, audited by by one of our clients to do a livable wage audit. Like how much are we are we paying our employees and how much of that is is actually um, the, the earnings that they're getting is the livable wages. Um, and also are we paying equal pay 
um, to both um, men and women at the same um, job level. So all of these things I will be happy to share. And um, um, this is something that uh, needs so much focus on. Um, and this is something that um, Cabana has been pushing and working. And like all of my managers are women, and that's something that I want to be proud of. So on the value chain, you can see the women going up um, on those value chain and being managers at the department level. So um, not only is it only could pay, but also uh, their managers there. So they're earning um, a higher position at the same time, earning a bigger um, salary at the same time. Because when woman in like when woman is empowered, she actually invests back in her family and community. This is something that we can clearly see in our community. I love it. I love it. You guys are getting the game. I Thank want you. Yes. I want the audience to, you know, click on the links below. Most of you are listening on Apple, I know. But for even those who are watching, however we put this together, I want you to share this and show what is being done. Because this is just the start to a whole, you know, revolution that 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 is to come. And, you know, women are taking over. If you're a smart man, you are going to make in your company a woman and your CEO. And something is going to change in that company. Just, is, I don't know, it's that, that black girl magic. So definitely, I love it. Do you, do you want to um, leave the audience with anything um, before we go and take this offline and talk some other type of business? I say um, buy from women entrepreneurs, uh, especially uh, those ones um, who are supporting the community. And, and yes, a little black <laughs> magic is goes a long way. Uh, yeah, and, and also try to be... Uh, as much as uh, possible involved within this business in terms of uh, sharing, highlighting, at the same time, uh, pushing those businesses uh, forward. So not only Black-owned magic, Black-owned businesses at the same time, uh, women-owned businesses too. So um, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. And thank you for listening or watching. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, bless somebody else with the game. You cannot be broke if you listen to this show. Be blessed, y'all. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.